Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray Heron. Joining me this episode, we have Matthew Day Gillett. Hey, man. And Mike Ireland. Hello. G'day, team. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, great to have you back, uh, Matt, as we do every week. Mike, we haven't heard from you since that uh, that fabled and long ago trip around Mount Taranaki. Yeah, no, I've been staying, uh, staying pretty quiet uh, playing with the winter projects and tucking all the other boys away for the weekend. Hey, later in the podcast, we're going to bring you Peter Elliott's thoughts on the 2019 Aprilia Tuono V4-1100RR, and we've brought Mike along in the show to talk about his latest project bike. Uh, But before we dive into any of that, let's do the news. And our headline story this episode, Harley-Davidson's Livewire has been revealed. The pricing, that is. Yeah, that's um, it's long awaited. Like, I think it was almost exactly a year ago uh, that I was in America test riding this thing. Um, and back then we were sort of umming and ahhing about the pricing. It would be the mid $40,000 mark. Uh, no, we were well wrong there. It is in the mid fifty thousand dollar mark, priced from fifty three nine nine five. Would you believe it? Wow, and that'd be for the base one as well. Well, it only comes in one model, so I think we're clean there. But um, it's only available, as far as um, I'm aware, in two dealerships, or at least two dealerships in the North Island: Auckland Harley Davidson and Road Sport in Hamilton. And they will be uh, available from September. Um, currently. Um, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of hate for this bike. I'll put it out there that um, yeah, not a lot of people are happy, especially with that price point. Um, essentially, the only bikes that cost more in Harley Davidson's lineup are the CVO models, which are their custom vehicle operations, um, and those are the bikes with all the flash paint, the bigger sound systems, and yeah, that's it's a bit of a disappointment. I'll have to say that much. Um, it puts it well out of the... The price point is a bit of a disappointment, you're saying? It's a bit more than you expected? Yeah, well, it's at least 10 grand more than I expected. Um, I was watching my video um, review from it last year, and I was sort of spitballing. It was 28, 29,000 US. That directly translated to just over 40 grand. I added a couple of grand on it, thinking, oh, yeah, sweet. Uh, you got to have your import taxes and all that kind of shit. No, fifty three nine nine five, and it's such a shame because it is such a cool bike. That um, is so freaking fast, um, so quick. So it's going to be like fifty five grand once you ch- add on the charger and the bits and pieces and get it on road. Fifty five grand. Whew. Yeah, it, it sucks. Yeah, especially for a bike that's got like it's equivalent range of a sports star. It's got two hundred thirty five k of urban range because it's got regenerative baking. Um, it's about 158k on the highway because you don't have that regeneration going. Um, stupid quick. It's um, zero to 103 seconds, um, and it's. Oh, I was just um, yeah watching that video as I say, and um, I was overtaking one of the other journos, and it just gets up and go. It went from 55 to 80 miles an hour at the flick of a wrist. Mike, since you've joined us on the show, uh, I don't know if you know too much about the Harley-Davidson Livewire. Electric Harley-Davidson, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know you're partial to a a bit of a cruiser from time to time. I am, yeah. It's, um, my only problem is I'm an old school petrol head, so, you know, you've got to have the noise. I mean, I live in West Auckland, so you hear Harley-Davidson's constantly. I just 
I don't know whether an electric Harley Davidson's going to do it. And that's pretty much what the internet's saying, isn't it? Yeah. I think the big problem is they've overpriced it. They've gone for the premium products straight off the bat and they've priced it themselves pretty much out of the market. Um, which is a big shame because they're targeting at guys like us, right? Uh, younger people. And there's no way in hell we can... Oh, we don't have the money for that. No, I don't have the 30 mm. grand I want for the Hilux. You don't want to loan 55 grand for a Harley. I mean, um, you can look at your, your your mid-30s range, even to your 40s, and go, yeah, I can kind of justify it. But when it starts kicking up around $50,000, that's a lot of coin for a toy. That's that's how much money I've got right now in my house deposit account. Why have you not got a bike? Because I want to get a house. Oh, fair point. But... You, know, you can't. But lie. even that's not enough to get me a house in New Zealand right now. No. Crikey. Yeah, so you could just keep renting and you could go buy yourself that T7. Hmm. I think you could import one of those uh, sweet European uh, rally editions that we covered last week um, direct from Europe and still come out wow, on top. there's a thought. Don't put that, don't plant that seed in my brain. Oh, by the way, uh, but while, we, while we're on the, well, not while we're on the topic, while we wrap up that Harley-Davidson topic before we go any further in the news, Matt, you sound a little bit different on the podcast this show. Can you uh, explain to our listeners why? <laughs> um, all right, well, I'm currently sitting in my lounge, which is not where I normally record, Um but I have my HJC i70 on and I'm connected up to the computer with the Cena 50S. I finally installed it, right? got the 50S installed. <laughs> Mike's shaking his head. I must look ridiculous. So not only can um, you use it as a, a Bluetooth device to listen to your music, make calls, do phone stuff, GPS stuff on your bike, talk to your riders, your pillions and all that sort of jazz, you can use it connected to your computer to record a podcast. Yeah, or like gaming headset if you're playing your racing games and whatnot and you don't want the family to hear you. There's an idea idea yeah go straight into those hd speakers do make a difference too um so i installed it today Mike, i think I, I think we've come up with a plan for you because you've got a bit of a racing sim set up at home don't you i've got the simulator so i'm starting to think that this might be a good idea i i got caught by my uh by my lovely uh, a few weeks ago in lockdown with my helmet and my suit my gloves and boots on <laughs> sitting in the simulator so yeah probably uh, helmet on yeah it, it would be cool and you can use it when we go on rides. They're only $549 um, from bitsforbikes.co.nz. Uh, and like, I've got to say, like first impressions are, it is a lot like the 30K that it's replacing for me. Um, I do kind of prefer the 30K's aesthetic. It's all black, where the 50S has quite a bit of shiny silver, and it really does show up on the helmet. Um, but, yeah, um, biggest change, though, actual being able to use voice commands. Um, so I can say, hey, Siri, um, and my, shut up, Siri, um, <laughs> and my phone picks it up and starts trying to um, talk to me, um, which I couldn't get to work for the life of me on the 30K. Um, but then again, the 30K I got was a gift from Harley Davidson from said Livewire launch. And it's the Harley Davidson branded version of the 30K. Um, and it came with no instructions and I'm still working out things on it. Like I worked out the other week that it had a radio, um, which the 50S has a built-in radio as well. Haven't tuned it yet, but we, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into the world of Senna and their 50 series products next episode because uh, that's you know the the we're gonna do a whole episode on the 50 series stuff and bring you as much information and stuff as we possibly can. But I've got to say right now, uh, the internet when you talk Senna, the internet is full of people saying, but it has no waterproof rating. There is literally nothing 
Um, but i got to say, last week, had the Senna uh, 50R on the helmet and went through three days of full downpours commuting in, in and out of town for work. Still working perfectly fine. Yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe there's no idea what the rating is and I think the 50R will be a bit more watertight than the 50S that I've got on because it doesn't have the scroll wheel and that. But, yeah, I've ridden through the rain. I've ridden through shit ton of dust. Um, I took my 30k on the Tenere 700 launch last year in Aussie and yeah it, it still works absolutely perfectly fine I've hooked it up to my other helmet had the little fella wearing it today and was having a yarn with him through the doors um, no, they're, they're a lot more sturdier than people make you believe on the internet, I think. Good, good. Right, well, let's get back into the news because we have got off topic a little bit. Uh, second story for you this week, Bike Trans. Uh, an, an ex-employee from Bike Trans, you know, the people who transport motorbikes around the country, uh, was in court. Uh, Trista Ann Miles uh, was like a family member in her five years at the company business, but uh, it was only when she took leave that her $21,500 of deceit and theft was uncovered. She was an office administrator for Bike Trans, a specialist uh, in motorcycle moving business around the country, and she had access to the money, uh, uh, including making payments to suppliers. And when she took leave last year, an email was opened by another member of the team, and in her absence, the plot started to unfold. It was the beginning of the end. The email was from a supplier about a payment. So Bike Trans went through the transactions and discovered $21,000 went missing between 2017 and 2019. Uh, Miles had spent it on a frivolous lifestyle, the story goes on to say. Uh, she had pled guilty to theft by failing to account. That is brutal. And yeah, those bike transport companies, they don't, like, they do a decent amount of business, but. Um they're not living the life of Riley, are they? They're just regular working class blokes just doing a really good service around the country. Mm. And Bike Trans, got to say, do a fantastic job. I had that uh, that KTM Duke 790 down here in, must be October, November last year, and we got it back up to Auckland via Bike Trans. Uh, picked it up from my work, from my office, and delivered it directly to um, KR editor Ben Wilkins' place uh, within three days, which is pretty good turnaround from Wellington to Rotorua. Heck yeah. So uh, I hope Bike Trans do get the money back. Of course, uh, Trista will probably be paying it back on the Never Never, $5 a week, that kind of jazz. And the final story is a bit sad. Our mates, the Coneheads, James Riley and the team, they've got a uh, container where they usually do their Moto Gymkhana. It's up in the car park of, of Dressmart in Tawa. Got broken into in the last week. Bit of a shame. It's a massive steel plate that you'll probably see in the photo. Actually, we'll share that photo as well. Massive steel plate that uh, looks like people have taken to with a screwdriver and they've hacked it up. The Moto Gymkhana team, the Coneheads, have lost uh, some timing gear. They've lost some tools. The buggers didn't even bother stealing the uh, the bot the motorbikes that were in this container though. So um, if you can help them uh, try and locate some um, reinforcing for a lockbox, or maybe you've got some toolkit gear, socket spanners, screwdrivers, that sort of jazz that you'd like to donate to them, uh, get in touch with them on Facebook. Just search out Coneheads. And that about rounds off the news. 
Now, Mike, we brought you into the episode because you've been talking to us about a project that you've got on the go, a project bike. And and, and from knowing you for a year or two, you've had this project bike on the go for, what are we talking, 20 years maybe? What's the bike and how long have you been working on it? Uh, so the bike, the bike is a 84RZ250. Um, now, people that were around and... and uh, like the smaller CC bikes back in the day would would know the RZ and its its predecessor the RDs. They were a they were a n- nasty little two stroke two fifty, and they also come out in a three fifty variant. But they were um, they were a bit of a bloody weapon back in the day. And and uh, yeah, I've owned mine for for a number of years. I I got it when I was nineteen when I was commuting backwards and forwards from my parents' house to work, and used to ride it through the Manawatu two gorge every day. And one day the gorge bit. And, say the uh, gorge bit, the gorge bit, or the two-stroke engine had decided it had it had had enough abuse at your hands. Um, no, I was actually following a big lifted Hilux, and uh, I don't know if anybody that knows the Manawatu Gorge that when it was open, it was notorious for having uh, rock slides. R.I.P. And uh, I was following following a four-wheel drive through there on a on a rather frosty morning, and he went over top of a rock, and I hit it. Oh. And so, yeah, the bike sort of end-for-ended and destroyed itself and destroyed me along with it. So, yeah, it got put in the shed and sat for a number of years and I decided I was going to uh, put it back on the road and, and uh, you know, life gets in the way and it gets tucked back in the shed again and, and sat there. And before I knew it and thought, shit, I better get that thing going. It's been 22 years when I looked up on Car Jam. So, <laughs> so you, you bought the RZ... When you were a young fella, late teens, you you rode it for a what, year or two? Uh, yeah, probably two, two and a half years. And then you binned it and you put it in the shed and thought, I'll fix that. And what, what was the catalyst about 22 years later to actually get, uh, to, you know, to go and get it and start working on it? Um, uh, well, I've, I've been talking about, I've uh, unfortunately, I don't have the correct license for the bike. I do tend to ride a little bit. And the catalyst was, I was thinking, shit, I should get a bike that I'm actually legally able to ride so I can go and progress my license like I should. And then I thought, hang on, I've got a 250 sitting in the shed at mum and dad's. I should get that thing and see what it's like. Brilliant. So uh, what have you been doing to the bike? Um, So the last time I'd attempted to do anything with it, I started it, took it for a run down the road with old fuel in the carburetors and melted the shit out of a piston. So that's when it got parked back in the shed and left. Um, so what I've basically been doing is, is done a complete rebuild on the motor and just gone hunting for parts that were obviously destroyed in the accident and slowly piecing the old girl back together. Outstanding. So you didn't have any physical chassis damage or anything, Mike? Like it was just cosmetic stuff that... It, it was mainly cosmetic stuff. The the, um, the rear tail was a was a tad twisted, but I took it to an engineer who stuck it on a jig and, and straightened it back up and made sure that everything was cool. Um, so, yeah, the rest of it's just cos- cosmetic stuff. Now, this is a 250 two-stroke. Yes. You, you mentioned that you, you're on your, your learners are restricted or whatever you're on. Is that lambs approved these days? It is. It's It's right on the limit of being lambs approved, and it was back in the day as well. Wow, um, that's a that's a bit of luck. So yeah, yeah, sort of the RZ250 was the last of the 252 strokes that was actually approved. So from there they went up to the NSR and the TZ250, and those were not approved. Those were full on race replicas, weren't they? Like basically yeah. little GP bikes. 
they were they were they were nuts little things. I mean, you know, like all sort of hypo two strokes, that they were known for ass ploding themselves at fairly regular intervals. But yeah, they were an incredibly fast bike, and the RZ wasn't that far behind. So uh, when you for anyone looking to do a similar project with a similar bike, you got to remember one thing, and uh, I think you learnt the hard way, which has delayed your rebuild slightly. Uh, two pistons, right? Two pistons, two pistons. <laughs> there isn't lies the story, huh? When you go onto a, a website to buy new pistons and rings and you see set so you go yes i'll have one set thank you very much and then you realize four weeks later when the parts arrive from the uk you've bought one piston set not one set two pistons oh bugger rookie mistake so uh the second set has arrived second set arrived yesterday and was installed today and the barrels have been installed carburetors have been rebuilt and reinstalled so it's just the the little fiddly bits and pieces to get it back together again and you've had it on hold for so long so once it's all together and got a warrant you can literally just ride it no no i actually let the registration lapse um oh no you gotta go through a reven and all that kind of jazz yeah so it's got to go back through through a full check which is not a bad thing i mean for a bike that's been off the road for for that long it's probably not a bad idea to have the full check done but it was originally vinned in new zealand and owned by me obviously so the recheck side of it's probably not going to be terribly difficult and once you get it revinned and on the road what are you going to do with it what's your what's your style what do you ride what what kind of you know uh, outings do you get into well unfortunately being in auckland i'm sort of a mix um a lot of motorway riding um i'm probably not going to commute on it because it's not really a commuter bike these days but um yeah heading out to the west coast beaches bit of everything really it's uh yeah just a bit of fun tight and twisties you know little two stroke dance on that bloody gear lever coro loop coro loop mate <laughs> Come on, Coro Loop. The Coro Loop. <laughs> I think I'm just going to enjoy riding something that's – and I, from when I remember riding that bike, it was such a nimble little thing and you could have so much fun on it. And the Titan Twisties, you just had a blast. So is this um, – Yeah, so Coro Loop. Is this the sort of bike that <laughs> you need loop, to pre-mix yeah. the fuel and everything, or what's the story there? No, no. So the RZ had a um, had an uh, integrated oil pump, so they had a, a separate oil tank. So you didn't have to pre-mix your fuel or anything like that. You just got two tanks you got to fill up. Just got two tanks you got to fill up. And, you know, your, your oil tank, uh, I think, holds about one and a half litres from memory. So it holds a, a fair chunk of oil. You know, you've got to do a fair bit of riding before you, you need to top up with oil again. What sort of range are we talking? Or is it a bit is it a bit long in the tooth for you to remember <laughs> on, uh, on the oil? On the oil, I think from memory it was about 10 or 12 tanks to a to a litre of oil. So. Oh, that's not too bad then. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I remember sort of filling it up once every month and a half. Something like that. And what sort of power band? Like I know with dirt bikes, when you're riding a two-stroke, they they especially the lower lower bore, you know, lower engine capacity two-strokes, they they can bite a little bit. What what kind of power band does the RZ have? So the the RZ is, is was one of the first car, um, bikes to come out with the YPVS system, which is the Yamaha power valve. So what it does is it it alternates the size of the exhaust port. So what that does is that gives you a little bit more low down power. Um, when you're in your lower revs, the exhaust valves are slightly closed. And then when you wind up through the rev range, it actually adjusts via a little servo and opens up the exhaust valves and gives you a bit more of a kick. So what it does is it tends to flatten out that that nasty little power band that you always got with your two strokes and tends to soften it up a little bit, makes it way more predictable. 
and just gives you a slightly nicer, flatter torque curve on the bike. Nice. Well, once you finish the project, is a project ever finished? That's another question for another day. Uh, we want to see some photos. We want to get them up on Facebook, and um, we want to go for a ride. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I've taken a few photos along the way. I took photos when I dragged it out of the shed. Can you call it a barn find when it's your own bike that you've forgotten about? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it might be saying something about your age, but... <laughs> That's a worry, and I... I, it gave me a hell of a fright when I when I did the car jam on it because I thought, you know what, what's fourteen bucks? I'll, I'll do the car jam and and I looked at it and I thought, nineteen eighty four, it's done seventeen thousand k's, last registered twenty two years ago. Oh, I'm an old bastard. <laughs> I don't want to agree with you, but I agree with you. You are an old bastard. <laughs> Won't hold it against you though, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I can still play silly buggers with the young fellas. Don't worry about that. Well, thanks <laughs> oh, very much no. for bringing your um your, your project bike to us. Um, we look forward to seeing it finished. If you if it's done by Sunday, the sixth of September, there's a ride you might be keen on. Although it does mean coming all the way back down to Wellington. The uh, the ride for Heroes 2020 is kicking off on that Sunday morning, at 10 a.m. Uh, it's departing the Pukeho War Memorial Museum or area in Wellington, and it's to acknowledge the support and thank all the essential workers that got us through the COVID nineteen crisis now this is run by the same people i believe that usually run the ride of respect around about anzac day it's 30 dollars per person that includes a riding badge no gang patches and there are some sponsors namely the breeze the sound magic muzzy shirts bronze and all proceeds are going to women's refuge and uh, the multi women's refuge as well so if you've got a ride going on or you've been on a ride, we want to hear from you. And there's rides like this happening all over the country. So do just jump on Facebook and search out Bronze, B-R-O-N-Z. As promised at the top of the podcast now, though, it is time to bring you Peter Elliott's thoughts on the 2019 Aprilia Tuono V4 1100RR. Al Diablo. Stunning looks and a devilish nature means the Aprilia Tuono V4 1100RR has temptation by the boatload, and it always takes Tuono to tango. Words by Peter Al Diablo. Photos by Jeff Osborne. This story can be found in Kiwi Rider magazine, the first edition of January 2020. When something's right, it's right. Right? My eyes simply devoured this thing. From every angle, it was exciting, while still managing to somehow exude fierce functionality. I threw a leg over, and my knees slid down the tank recesses like keys into well-oiled locks. I swear I could feel Iron Man-type armor enclosing my body. I leaned into the bars and felt my whole being click into place, alert, supported. I have never fitted a bike so naturally right off the bat, like slipping on a condom. Um. I'll stop with the analogies there because it will just get unnecessary. My brother recently told me not to be so effusive in bike reviews. Sorry, f*** off. The Aprilia is a weapon, a Miss Armour Pro 1's lactum. Latin ramblings about losing your weapons license. But until then, joy unconfined. While on an aesthetic level, the Tuono V4RR impresses like a supermodel, it's the technical delivery that precipitates descent into the fiery pits of hell. I mean that in a good way, like only committed sinners will comprehend. For a start, 
This fire-breathing four-cylinder redhead is fitted with an Akropovich pipe, so four trumpets into one are going to pipe your arrival at the sticks. The dealer's delivery dude, a devilish Mike Cross, says, in effect, if you're going to play the piper, you may as well be heard. And then took the baffles out. Crikey, if there is a dark argument to be made for saying no to electric bikes of an oil-weary future, then this bike is Cerberus, the hound of hell, barking ferociously against the squealing electro-bland. So, hound barely off the leash, off I went in search of underpasses and long echoey tunnels. And I found them, by God. In exactly three minutes, I knew this was the bike of my dreams such as they are currently, and I was hatching plans for ownership, ruining the ride until I put such thoughts firmly aside for later. It's later, and he's still working on it. There's a school of thought in the racer crowd that says you have to own the Aprilia factory version to be taken seriously. I don't believe that's true, and I'm not alone. And here's why. The RR is in nearly every respect an identical machine, except that it has the Sasha suspension set up and doesn't have the Olin's active suspension that comes standard on the factory. That version gets the Olin's NIX fork and STX46 shock managed electronically. But to all but the most race-hardened manic, this will not make a lot of difference, and just means more hands-on tinkering with race setup. As a track day series contender, you're going to do this anyway. So, this bike is almost identical, except for one very important point. Mr. Cross is offering the RR at a saving of a staggering $6,000. The factory retails at $28,990 and the RR at $22,990. And that's with the extraordinary Akropovich thrown into the party pack. Normally such base things as money would not make it into a review. But with this bike, I apologise, all bets are off. The Tiono RR essentially is a semi-naked sports bike with sit-up rideability, staggering performance, sensational handling, and is regarded by most motoring riders as peerless. I agree. I fell hopelessly under its spell. The V4 1077cc engine is astounding, and I've seen it written elsewhere as the most inspiring engine in motorcycling. So not just this infatuated champ then. The Tiono V4 1100RR and factory share the same 330mm front brakes, wheel sizes, and rubber dimensions. Their electronics packages are also virtually identical. The Aprilia Performance Ride Control System, or APRC, offers the riding and safety assistance functions that were originally developed for racing, including configurable launch, traction control, and wheelie options, and a ridiculously exciting auto blipper slash quick shifter with cruise control, cornering ABS, and lean angle indicator. The ride-by-wire throttle offers three rider-selectable settings, sport, race, and track. All of this takes a little time to master, moving around the menus in the full-color TFT screen. It takes a bit of mental effort, and I'm aware of how off-putting that can be for most when they first encounter this level of dial-up control. The fear of doing something they can't figure out how to undo is long learnt from buggering up the laptop from time to time. However, perhaps the hardest thing about the Tuono RR for me to grapple with was riding it legally, without either flogging the engine to death or running at race revs, which meant every bump and dip could cause unwitting acceleration. 
on Auckland's ludicrously speed-bumped, coned, channelled and roadworked byways, this is a real consideration. I left the horrors of town as quickly as was respectable. Under normal conditions in Auckland's spring and summer, there was rain and mist and damp and traffic. Nevertheless, I worked at getting the strips narrower. And, when I say I worked, I mean I grinned my head off and actually cackled with excitement as I found preposterous levels of bank angle and grip, snaking through tight roads near the maximum security prison, which is where I was headed if I stayed out playing as I was tempted to. When the level of control is fingertip, pinpoint and perfect, one is teased beyond the plodding realms of legal limits in a microsecond, and it takes real resolve to understand and accept the monotony of simple traffic passage. Yes, this is a road bike that's for the track, but much, much more than that, it is a bike to explore physics and the genius of 21st century design, which of course is what makes the testing of motorcycling control so thrilling on occasion. Even in the rain, you wouldn't swap this gig for any other. The RR also offers a much more favourable seating position for a pillion, with a decent saddle and riding position on the bike. It's far more comfortable than the offering on the factory, which is virtually a single-seater, so the RR, saving of $6,000, and the ability to take your best friend along, means that the purchase is a no-brainer for those with partners and a budget. Could you tour on a Tuono? Naturalmente. Can you commute on a Tiono? Si! Can you live with a Tiono? Si vuoi una vita, favoloso, ovviamente. He means yes. I will take note of my brother's words and try to restrict my enthusiasm to rational levels in future articles, but I confess the Tiono RR altered my perception. If a modern, safe, well-equipped, beautifully finished motorcycle that can take you to the track and back and leave you wanting to ride even further is your prayer book, go take a test run and you'll thank us here at KR. Go on, it's in your future, you know you want to. Seriously, if you don't know, you won't understand. Words by Peter El Diablo. For full specs and photos of the Aprilia Tuono V4-1100RR, check out the first edition of Kiwi Rider magazine for January 2020. So there you are, check out kiwirider.co.nz, that is the website where you'll find all the magazines, the entire back catalogue right back to 2017, and all those stories, photos and specs are up there, free to, for you to check out. Do subscribe as well, that is free, It's gonna all it's going to do is send that magazine to your inbox twice a month, just like that. Got a new magazine out this week as well, uh, don't know what's in it because I haven't had a chance to catch up with Ben Wilkins, but uh, jump on Facebook, uh, search out Kiwi Rider and you'll know all about it right there. Hey, that pretty much wraps up our episode this week. Thanks very much for joining us, team. There is one more thing to do, and that is the dad joke. Come on, impress us this week, mate. All right, are you ready? This one's a good one. Did you hear about the dyslexic zombie? No. No. He likes to eat Brian's. <laughs> that is shocking. <laughs> Brian's. That is terrible.
If you've got a better dad joke, want to hear from you, email podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. Jump on Facebook or Instagram, connect with us there, and we'd love to hear from you with all your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. If you think we're talking absolute bollocks, we want to hear about it. Kiwirider.co.nz is the website. Uh, as I said, Facebook, Instagram, and the email address, all good. Till next time, I've been Ray. And Matt. Mike's here too. <laughs> Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. <laughs>